I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is David Karp, founder of Tumblr, the leading microblogging and social media tool where creators can upload images, videos, audio clips, and bursts of text. Tumblr has 50 million creators, serving an audience of 140 million people every month. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. You grew up in New York City and attended the Calhoun School on the Upper West Side from when you were three years old up until eighth grade. You then spent a year at Bronx Science, a public high school, before leaving school altogether. What was the reason for leaving school after ninth grade? Right around eighth grade, I was uh, starting to get a little bit a little bit restless. I had grown up with the you know same group of thirty kids I was in school with for uh, you know years before that. For some reason, I had decided that um, I had more kind of academic ambitions, and I wanted to be in a, a crowd that you know really uh, you know cared about their academic performance. I don't know what I was thinking, but. Um, uh, and, and I decided to take the science high school test in New York where you're basically testing into Brooklyn Tech, Bronx Science, or Stuyvesant. I got into Bronx Science. I, I went there for a year, but ultimately uh, felt that I was still sort of missing something. And I'd started working a little bit. I was pretty driven. I was pretty driven to explore you know, the opportunities around me. And those were first, you know, getting to you know work at a, at a computer shop when I was 14 and spend time with you know, 20 and 30-somethings rather than around, you know, other teenagers my age. Um, and then from there, uh, when I got my first programming gig, which was actually uh, the summer after that, that freshman year in high school, um, where I realized, like, I really, I really loved building things. I really enjoyed technology, and I wasn't good at it yet, but I thought I could be, and I was really, I was really driven to succeed at it. And I just I wasn't getting that out of high school at the time. What was your parents' reaction to your leaving school? First of all, I should say this wasn't my bright idea. This was my my parents who were, I, I give them so much credit for this. I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for this really unconventional decision they made to pull me aside at the end of that summer and say, you know, this internship you've got is really, really cool. You seem to be doing some really great stuff. Um, do you think if we got you some tutors and found a way to, you know, kind of get you out of school full time uh, that you would... Uh, they'd let you keep your internship and you'd be into staying there a little bit longer. I was getting to work on real projects, I mean, not homework. I was getting to like build things that would get launched that people were using. It was an amazing, amazing feeling. Um, so, you know, it, it was a, an easy decision for me to make. I got to, you know, get started not only working, but spending a, a really considerable amount of time with adults who are happen to be really smart adults, too. You read uh, HTML for Dummies when you were 15 years old. Uh, 11. No, oh, no, no. 15 oh. is way too old to be learning <laughs> HTML. So this was 1997, when you were really uh, self-learning the computer technology mm -hmm. world. The summer I, I turned 11, um, my dad had, when he figured out that I was getting into the internet, he dropped a big pile of uh, programming books on, or you know, internet development books on me. And uh, one of those was HTML for Dummies. It was the first one that I kind of broke into, figured out the basics, and learned just enough to kind of pick it up and start running with uh, web development. Your parents seemed, you know, fairly unconventional, just almost advocating or persuading you not to go back to, to school, uh, really trying to understand who their son was. Mm -hmm. What was the internship you had? You, you mentioned that you were working with technology and computers, but... Like everything else in my life, I mean, this was just a stupid, lucky, um, just very serendipitous introduction I had to a guy named Fred Seibert who has had an extraordinary career, started a very successful advertising agency called Fred Allen, was the original creative director of MTV Networks. He was president of Hanna-Barbera for a stint. He um, 
recently founded a company called Next New Networks that he sold to YouTube. Um, has you know a really extraordinary career. He's also responsible for pretty much every cartoon you've ever seen on Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon. So mm-hmm. um, this really extraordinary media guy who had a really interesting little media company that he had full of about 30 young people, most of whom were either really good at media or in the kind of up and coming, you know, really good at the internet. How did you come to meet him? So my mom was teaching his kids. And one day my mom was talking to his wife and uh, telling some stories about me and the stuff that I was into and doing. And his wife, Robin, said, uh, you know, you should, you should uh, come hang out with Fred. He's really into, you know, any of these young kids who are doing stuff on the Internet. I guess my mom mentioned that to me and my dad overheard and my dad did, did not let it go. I okay, some guy, I was 14 and there's, there's some guy out there who's supposedly cool who I should go spend time. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my, but my dad heard this and my dad, who's also, you know, very kind of ambitious um, and, you know, uh, very, very enabling person who really uh, was, was good at making sure that I, I took advantage of all these uh, opportunities. He, you know, kept nagging me about it and at one point said, David, just pick up, the, just call the guy and go over there. Like, just go meet the guy. Um, so he made me go over there. I go into his office and I walked in there, go up to the 21st floor or whatever it was. And um, red walls with skateboard decks lining the walls with all sorts of like, you know, gorgeous illustrations on them and stuff. I'm like, all right, this is definitely like a cool place. I, I, I just wandered into it. And this guy sitting across from me wearing the, the same outfit that he, you know, still wears every day, which is this you know, big uh, white button-down shirt and khaki pants and a, and a kind of rainbow <laughs> beaded belt um, <laughs> with crazy eyebrows and big glasses, like looking looking across at me, smiling. The way he tells the story was I didn't say a word. He just sort of talked at me for 20 minutes, <laughs> then asked, you know, got out of me enough to, to figure out that I was kind of into coding. I was really into the Internet and, um, and said, you know, I, we've got a team over here that's working on this project. He told me a little bit about the project and uh, said, you know, I'd be happy to set you up over there. What was the project? It was something called Secret Goldfish. It was this little experimental thing that you'd pulled together where they went ac- across the U.S. to 3,000 high schools and asked them to bring them their top English student. They all, those students all got invites to this little private social network that they were building called Secret Goldfish. So we were experimenting with you know, kind of primitive blogging software, primitive um, bookmarking tools, uh, primitive kind of like social recommendations stuff, all of these things. Um, and getting to see what, you know, these young, talented kids could do with them. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is David Karp, founder of Tumblr, a platform for creativity. Tumblr has 50 million creators serving an audience of 140 million people. You spent a few years interning for for Fred Seibert. Mm -hmm. uh, And at one point, you started working for Urban Baby, which was a website for a parenting website run by Susan and John Maloney. Mm -hmm. How were you introduced to them? So, again, very much by accident, like so many things in my life. Um, a call came into our office one day. Uh, my my then boss said, uh, you know, my, my friend has uh, this site that was just featured on TV. I think it was on Good Morning America at the time. Um, their, their site was just featured, and the site's exploding, and they need need somebody to log in. And I, I don't know why it was me. Um, there were, you know, some much more talented uh, you know, s- server admins and programmers there, but m- maybe I was the only person that wasn't out at lunch. But you know, for some reason, the call went into me, and I hopped on the phone and said, "Oh, sure, I can help out." And he gave me you know passwords for the servers, and I jump in there, and I did whatever I could do to get the the databases under control, so the site site would uh, start performing again. Um, that was John Maloney at Urban Baby, and you know, I was doing work part time for him for a, a few weeks there. And at some point, he said, "You know, can I um, bring you on full time? Would you be up for that?" Now, I never indicated how old I was. I, 
he's never really let on whether or not he knew that I was a 16 year old kid at the time. Um, I think he probably knew, and I think my voice was probably pretty squeaky. It should have been pretty <laughs> obvious. We hadn't met in person yet, so this was all over the phone up until then. He, you know, he would mail me checks. I would log into the server and do the work, mm-hmm. and um, I really had a blast working with this guy. It was, you know, a, a, the first time I was in an environment where. I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't the young intern anymore. He was really treating me as a as a coworker or, you know, as a partner here, mm-hmm. and I had a blast. I ended up working with him for three years. It seems like this this era, this time was very confidence building for you. Whether it was the confidence that Fred Seibert uh, gave you, or or that the Maloney's imparted on you, um, but was there any sense of self doubt? I mean, here you are, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old, and simultaneously, and all all of your friends are in traditional schools. What, what were what were those moments of? Um, yeah, just self doubt. If <laughs> so, the things that helped were. Um, I, I had a couple friends from school that I stayed really, really close with. And through one of them, I, I ended up meeting my, my then girlfriend who I dated for four years, uh, who was my age. So, you know, I, I was still kind of connected to people my age. I think that was actually probably pretty important in keeping me sort of sane and not, not you know, turning into a complete weirdo. And, um, you know, I mean, moments of self-doubt, I didn't have a lot to be you know, too too anxious about. And I actually had a lot of, you know, adults in my life comment on how I seemed like, you know, one of the least angsty teenagers they <laughs> hung out with. So And so here you are every day you'd wake up uh, in the morning and you'd you'd go to work instead of going to school mm-hmm. while you were living at your parents' home. Uh, but then when you were eighteen years old you moved to Japan for about a year. What was the impetus for moving to Japan? Um, I had just had my heart broken by that girl and I decided I needed to get the hell out of here. I was working for Urban Baby, which as I mentioned was, you know, totally remote so uh, I, I could do that uh, do that from anywhere I mean there had just actually recently been a new technological development which was the service Vonage which let you anywhere you had a high-speed internet connection plug in this little black box and uh, have your you know 212 phone number anywhere in the world I had been studying Japanese that was one of the few tutors that I had I had math English and uh, these classes I was taking at the Japan Society and you know, as a, a 18-year-old kid who had been working for a few years and still living in my mom's apartment, kind of now itching to leave um, just to get to get as far away from from there and my my ex-girlfriend as possible, uh, I, I bought a ticket and was out of there two weeks later. I want to fast forward uh, to the early days of Tumblr, mm-hmm. which you launched in 2007. Yeah. What is Tumblr, in your words? Um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, it started um, pretty unambitiously as a just sort of novel publishing platform. Blogging, I would say, as a whole matured into something that was really about editorial writing. And not being a writer, but being somebody who really wanted to express myself online, I felt really limited by those tools. So Tumblr was an attempt to kind of take a different spin on blogging um, as something much more raw, real-time, less editorial, and less all about uh, you know, long-form writing. Um, so that's how it started. I would say today it's evolved into um, a, a real home and platform for creative expression. And out of those creators, you know, a whole media network has sort of taken shape. The word blog comes from web and log, which is personal publishing on the internet. And the word Tumblr comes from tumble log, which is a short stream of consciousness post. Can you explain that a little more? So uh, the the term tumblelog was coined in 2005. So that came much later than I would say the format actually did. So the format harkens back to, um, I would say, the very beginnings of publishing on the internet. So back when you could sign up for a GeoCities or an AngelFire page, the the original kind of pub- publishing platforms, and I would say even before that were 
the little AOL profile they gave you where you could, you know, insert some HTML and kind of design it and share some stuff. HTML being the, the language that you write yeah, in. Yeah, sort of the underlying language for the internet. Tumblogs was coined by a community of kind of avant-garde web hackers who are putting together this sort of new generation of these sort of old school publishing tools. And I, I stumbled onto this community in 2004, 2005, and was just taken by it immediately. Um, I saw something in it that I really wanted for myself. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is David Karp, founder of Tumblr. We'll hear more from David coming up. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is David Karp, founder of Tumblr, the leading microblogging and social media tool where creators can upload images, videos, audio clips, and bursts of text. Tumblr has 50 million creators serving an audience of 140 million people every month. What does Tumblr look like? Like mm-hmm. to somebody who's never been to the site, what's an example? Up until Tumblr, most of the blogs you would land on on the internet looked like magazine or newspaper columns. When you land on a blog on Tumblr, the first thing you'll notice is they're just much more designed, very beautiful, colorful, and unique. The content, though, rather than being you know, long articles, tends to be occasionally you'll get a long article in there because it'll let you post pretty much anything you want. But it's, it's a mixed bag of um, links to stories or interesting content elsewhere on the web. It is videos taken out of, you know, YouTube or Vimeo, sometimes with a caption underneath it, sometimes without. It's photos that that user is taking themselves. It's photos that they're finding that are inspiring them. It's photos that they're, you know, screenshots of projects that they're working on. Sometimes it's their original illustration, um, any number of things. The other formats are uh, audio, so that sometimes those are, you know, a user uh, uploading, you know, a little podcast of them talking about you know, their favorite something for, for two minutes. Sometimes it's the song that they have stuck in their head. Sometimes it's, you know, their favorite obscure song that they want to share with all of their friends. You can do stuff that looks like a tweet. You can do stuff that looks like an essay. You can even take quotes out of articles you're reading, you know, share that with, with uh, your friends or family. The impetus, the, the incentive for starting Tumblr, you said, was trying to create a forum for your own creativity um, that, did, that wasn't including, um, that wasn't so dependent on long form writing. At what point did you say, okay, I'm doing this for myself, but actually I think this could be an interesting company? So right off the bat, we saw a lot more traction than we were expecting. Um, and I, I think back to it, because that first day we, we put up a screen in the office and watched as the you know, registrations passed first you know 1,000 users and then 10,000 users. Today, we get 120,000 new users uh, signing up uh, every day. We were running a little consulting business at the time and uh, found you know over the next few months, we were putting more and more energy into this little side project we have, had, um, Tumblr and paying less and less attention to our clients who were starting to get pretty pissed off. You mentioned we. Uh, who was in the office with you running this consulting business? At that point, I had uh, found Marco Arment, who is you know, an absolutely extraordinary engineer who's since gone on to be you know, an incredible entrepreneur as well. We worked together for five years. 
You started Tumblr after Urban Baby was sold to CNET.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you received compensation or cash from that sale. Did that at all help in the、uh, getting Tumblr off the ground in those early days? So, so I was at Urban Baby for three years.、Um, along the way, John Maloney. Just being the incredibly generous, you know, fair human that he is,、um, saw fit to set a little bit of stock aside for me. Even though, you know, I, I was a kid, I had no idea that that was a thing. I had no idea to ask for that. And when they ended up being acquired, I was sitting on this little pile of cash,、um, really excited about all, all of these ideas and projects that I, that I wanted to work on.、Um, and I used that to seed my little consulting business, Davidville, that two years later became Tumblr. Now, are we talking ten thousand dollars, or three hundred thousand dollars, or three million dollars? I've never said. I mean, it, it's not a you know, it, it wasn't millions of dollars. the The real threshold for me was it was enough to hire a couple people and not be completely freaked out that I wouldn't be able to pay them the next month. So you were surprised by the early success of Tumblr. Who were some of the earlier ado- earliest adopters? What were some of the things that people were posting well, on Tumblr? Well, the really cool thing was right off the bat, it was a.、Um, You know, they were certainly early adopters, but it was a very sort of aesthetically oriented, really creative crowd、um, that showed up and was attracted to two things. One was we were giving them a different format to play with, but also an extraordinary amount of control in the design and presentation of what they could build on Tumblr, way beyond what anybody else gave you. So, well, you know, MySpace had just kind of like、uh, was starting to fall out of favor, and it was the one platform where you could kind of tweak your stuff to look however you wanted. Facebook said everybody gets the same white page. Twitter, same thing. Everybody gets the same blue page, and if you wanted anything more than that, you were forced to really, you know, mess around and open source tools and hosting stuff yourself and hacking these things apart. It was a lot of work to create original designs and presentation online, which is why, you know, five, six years ago, I mean, still today, in a lot of ways, so much of the internet kind of looks the same. Where if you look at, you know, two people on Tumblr, almost no two people on Tumblr look anything alike. Who were some of those people? Were they friends of yours? Were they strangers? The the very first people who signed up weren't the people who were already doing it. They were the audience. They were the people who were following these clever hackers who were building these novel tools, and were really excited because for the first time we said we're going to make this easy. You can just come and sign up here and for free, take a stab at this yourself. The timing of of your launch was was auspicious. This was in two thousand seven, where you really have this this stew or this vortex of of energy surrounding social media. You have Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Kickstarter and、mm-hmm. Foursquare, and there's sort of like this acceleration、uh, and frothiness, if you if you will. So,、um, I mean, one cool thing was we were coming along, you know, just as. Um, I, I feel like New York was starting to to become really reinvigorated, and、uh, you know, I grew up in the city. I couldn't imagine doing this anywhere else. But I, I feel like we've gotten to kind of f-、uh, follow or take part in this amazing growth that the New York tech industry has seen recently. And you know, a lot of those companies you just listed are, are actually New York companies. Yeah. And to what extent do you see these media behemoths who are New York as your competition, like a David ver- versus、mm-hmm. Goliath, versus really you're just running in parallel universes that do intersect, like coopetition in a way? Sure. Yeah.、Um, there's maybe a little bit of that, but for the most part, I would say it's actually a lot of recently. More recently, it's really become cooperation.、Um, in in the beginning, though,、um, it was kind of. Inspirational for us to be in the shadow of these big media companies, companies that were used to serving audiences in the hundreds of millions,、um, versus 
being out on the West Coast where, you know, the air, you know, the people you're in the shadow of are big technology companies that think more about, you know, engineering and growth than they do, you know, building kind of compelling media networks. A a lot of these people in my life, a lot of my background was very steeped in this media industry that I really appreciated. I don't know. I I like the the sort of, I like the output of that industry Mm -hmm. a little bit more than, you know, I'm a, you know, a a tech fanboy, I guess. Mark Coatney, uh, who is uh, one of your employees, he came from Newsweek, and he's mm-hmm. sort of your so-called media evangelist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has said before that Tumblr is a space in between Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. What does he mean by that? I don't know if I'd say in between. I think it, it maybe hybridizes a f- a f- elements from both of those things. So you know, Facebook today is the online identity for most people, actually. Um, our issue with you know, Facebook as an identity is it's not one that I think most people are actually very proud of. Some people are. Um, I've never been. You know, you go on my Facebook profile and it's photos that I didn't take that, you know, I've been tagged in. Most of them are, you know, unflattering photos of me looking sort of stupid at parties and stuff, right? Today, you know, to people are, are building uh, profiles on Tumblr that, you know, because we, because it's uh, their creative expression because they're the ones in control and because we give them a tremendous amount of control far beyond what, what you have on a you know, Facebook profile today. Um, it is, uh, you know, I, I would say, for most of our users, a profile or an identity that they're actually really proud of. Where we kind of merge some of the Twitter functionality is in the way the, the network takes shape, where, where Facebook is a sort of one-to-one follow relationship Twitter is built more like a publishing platform, and they were the ones to really popularize this following model, which six months into Tumblr, when we realized there was a network taking shape on Tumblr too, we said, you know what, between the friend model Facebook is you know, running with and the, this new following model that Twitter seems to be developing, following model seems much more like Tumblr. Although, uh, interestingly, unlike Twitter, um, Tumblr doesn't divulge the number of followers. Why did you make that decision? Sure. So like a lot of the functional and design decisions we've made at Tumblr um, that are that run counter to the other big networks, most of them are designed to inform behavior. And usually it's to steer the community in a more positive direction. Um, so you know, if you're giving feedback, we want to make sure that you're not incented to be negative and that you are encouraged to be positive or at least you know constructive. Examples of that are not showing following numbers. You, you can see your, your own you know, followers, your own audience, but we don't expose that publicly. We don't explicitly share that because we just, it's not something that we want people in our network thinking about. Instead, we want to encourage people to really pay attention to the stuff that they're creating, to the you know, meaningful connections that they have in the community rather than obsess over a, a follower number. I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is David Karp, founder of Tumblr, a platform for creativity. Tumblr has 50 million creators serving an audience of 140 million people. You've raised capital, roughly $125 million, from a number of leading venture capitalists, from uh, Greylock, Insight Venture Partners, Sequoia, Union Square Ventures, as well as well-known entrepreneurs. I have to throw one more in that list, which is Spark Capital, who is actually our lead investor, Bijan Sabat at, at um, Spark Capital, who mm-hmm. is an extraordinary human who was a, a big fan of what we were doing very early on. Um, and you know, reached out to me as soon as we got this thing rolling to you know just give me feedback, to ask me what I was thinking about it. Um, and 
when the time was right, man, I mean, he was really tactful in this. Right when he could see in my eyes that this is what I wanted to be putting all of my energy into and I was getting you know, less enthusiastic about my little consulting company, he said, you know what, I'm going to be back in a week. Let me come with the term sheet and we'll, we'll sit down and I can show you exactly how this works. And he was there a week later and had a term sheet that I completely balked at, totally freaked me out. I'd never seen one before. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of equity. I said, oh, oh my God, I don't know how I feel about this. You know, I had images in my head of like, oh my God, am I going to need to like hire a PR team and all of these people and will there you know, be a new CEO and all this stuff. I just, I could, could uh, I was so freaked out by what, what this would mean uh, the day after I, you know, signed this, this agreement. And he kind of talked me down and said, no, 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 it's actually lets you just, you know, do what you're doing now, but do more of it. Um, And one of the things that he did so gracefully was kind of work the deal back into something that was a lot more modest in the beginning. So our first round was a seed round of um, $750,000. We got some more uh, angel investors involved. And we actually made that uh, first uh, chunk of money last us um, almost a year and a half. Mm. And after that, um, it was those same guys that we had already worked with who just came and put more money in. They actually did that two times. So we were able to do three whole rounds of financing, raise a little more than $10 million with the same little group of people who were, you know, believed in me from the very beginning and really wanted to be involved, who I said, you know, just let, let us take it kind of slow. And they let me take it slow, and they were amazing mentors to me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until three and a half years in mm-hmm. that we, you know, started to see that inflection and growth, realized that we really wanted to run faster. I had warmed up to being more than a team of just you know 12 people, which we were at the time, um, and we had you know, greater ambitions. And that was the first time we went out to the West Coast to meet the, you know, the, the big deal uh, Silicon Valley investors. We're talking about this growth and the ease with which you've raised capital. Um, what has been harder for you than, you than you thought? People stuff is definitely something I was unprepared for. You know, that's something that I just... Uh, even though I, I started interacting with adults pretty young, you know, I also started um, having to lead, having to manage people much younger, I think, than most people, and with a you know much uh, faster ramp than most people. You know, this is we went from managing six people to managing over a hundred, you know, in under two years. <laughs> so that that's a that's a big adjustment for anybody, particularly a twenty five year old. You've raised all this capital without earning revenue mm-hmm. or without earning much revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you are more focused on your revenue mm-hmm. model. You've been very resistant until recently to advertising. How come? I wouldn't say we've been terribly resistant to advertising. Um, I would say that we've been uh, you know, very critical of what most digital advertising is today. It, it values targeting and conversions over storytelling and kind of creativity. So what we, you know, we very early on said, you know, that other stuff is definitely not coming to Tumblr. Um, what we've tried to prove over the last year and a half or so is a platform for uh, real creative brand advertising that I would actually say is very rare on the internet today. Two vehicles for advertising mm-hmm. are Tumblr Spotlight and Tumblr Radar. Yes. Now, can you describe how an advertiser can uh, get exposure on Tumblr? So the great thing about both of those things is they're built on two of our most basic atomic elements, the blog and the post. Um, So you can do anything you want with the Tumblr blog today. And already hosts of brands are doing that. Lionsgate building, um, rather than just building the Hunger Games official blog on Tumblr, instead wanted to work an angle that would connect much more deeply with with uh, you know part of the Tumblr community. They built Capital Couture, a fashion blog 
built out of the world of the Hunger Games that not only struck a really, really uh, you know, powerful chord with the Hunger Games fans, who now got to really explore this world in a, in a much more deep way, um, but with the fashion community that was thrilled that this you know, you know, fascinating new, new kind of fashion venue with a real sense of style um, was showing up with something you know, you know, really innovative. So what, what these features are that we built are, are really just channels for us to elevate certain blogs or certain posts um, for those advertisers who are doing compelling stuff inside Tumblr. Some authors have been discovered on Tumblr, and some books have come out of Tumblr. What's an example of one or two? I, I can't say I... any one thing, man. There's There's been so much amazing stuff to come out of this community. One of the things that I love about the ambitions of our creative community are they are way beyond Tumblr, right? Their ambitions are to be a published writer, uh, to be a you know a real museum curator, to be a uh, to sell out a show, um, to sell a million albums, whatever it is. They have you know big, far-reaching ambitions, and they see big opportunities to you know start their careers uh, and, and continue their careers, but certainly launch their careers on Tumblr. Um, so there have been a lot of examples of that. One that I'll say is like way outside the box that I love is um, uh, this young photographer, Jamie Beck, who developed a whole new medium. I mean, really invented a, an entirely new type of photography. Um, she coined a brilliant uh, name for called cinemagraphs that are really impossible to describe. I would describe them maybe as gently animated photos, much like the, you know, when, uh, on the cover of the newspapers in Harry Potter when the headshot is like kind of moving around a little bit. Um, it's really like that. So now you know, she's gone from being this extremely talented, but you know, young aspirational photographer. And we watched, you know, the whole community. She was an early member of our community, and we watched her, you know, career progress quickly um, and you know, in, in very inspiring fashion, go from this, you know, aspiring freelance photographer to now doing, you know, real shoots for Vogue and Vanity Fair <laughs> um, with some of the most talented creative directors and models and. Uh, designers in the world. Incidentally, I was told that I should feel lucky that, that I'm sitting with you today because uh, I've, I've heard before you say that appointments are caustic to your creativity. I'm very elusive. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, uh, less these days, um, but uh, uh, less these days is I've had to be you know a bit more disciplined about this just because I have a lot more going on. So to make sure I get to everything I want to get to. Um, requires a little bit more discipline and organization, but also obviously, you know, I, I have the opportunity these days to hang out with some pretty extraordinary people who mm. I, I want to make sure I'm not, you know, 30 minutes late for. So, um, uh, yeah, I've certainly been very bad at that in the past. And um, I will say when I try and get into a creative mode, which I still do, and I clear out whole days for it, I really do try and just, you know, set a whole day aside, try and put myself in an environment. You know, I've sort of given up my desk at Tumblr, so I'll go, you know, pick a quiet room somewhere and kind of hang out with a notebook, a couple pens, um, maybe my laptop and like, you know, listen to some music and, and try and uh, solve some, you know, whatever problems I'm trying to solve at that moment. By the way, does your girlfriend who dumped you have a Tumblr, have a presence on Tumblr? Yes, uh, actually, a really great blog. Who my my now girlfriend and I both follow and really enjoy. She I mean, she's brilliant and incredibly talented, and is interestingly um, has been incredibly successful in the advertising industry. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Jessica. My guest has been David Carp, founder of Tumblr. Coming up, we'll meet Jessamine Rodriguez, founder of Hot Bread Kitchen. I'm Jessica Harris. This is from scratch. 